standing ovation here. Let's go to our ring announcer. Welcome to the show that brings you all things nostalgia in the world of professional wrestling. It is now time to go Beyond the Bell. school wrestling fanatics to the show that takes you back in time to rewind and relive all things nostalgia in the world of professional wrestling this is beyond the bell powered by the sns radio network and i'm your host ring announcer sean beckerman back with you to bring you old school classic wrestling this week it's time to go back and relive some world class memories The WCCW Milestones of the Year 1985. We continue on with the history and chronological order of world-class championship wrestling as we relive the monumental milestones that took place under the Von Erich family's organization. The Texas-based wrestling promotion has brought us so many memories over the years, it set the standard in certain manners for wrestling that we see to this very day. The pageantry, the spectacle, the overall ambiance can be also attributed to world-class championship wrestling. We saw with the Freebirds, the rock and roll music entrance style of them coming to the ring, the fans going crazy, grabbing after the Von Erichs, carrying company, the girls going crazy, and it very well translates to this very day in sports entertainment. For you new fans out there of Beyond the Bell, each and every week features new content that takes you back in time to rewind and relive all things nostalgia in professional wrestling and sports entertainment. Every episode features a different theme that's geared to all things retro in wrestling. On every episode, we take you behind the mic to give you a snapshot of what it is like to be a ring announcer on the independent wrestling scene. And we cap it all off with some old-school music. We take you back in time to relive the greatest and worst themes and songs in professional wrestling history. And now we look back at the year 1985 and the WCCW milestones. But first, it's time to go behind the mic. Let's go to our ring announcer. The main event winner by way of knockout well. Schedule for one fall. Triple threat match. The world heavyweight champion. That is unbelievable. It's time. Courtesy of the brand new app to Beyond the Bell, which will give you another avenue to stream archived and current shows of Beyond the Bell. Tune in radio available for all smartphones via iTunes and Google Play for your Android devices. This is where we take you behind the scenes to give you a glimpse, an idea, a perspective 
of what it is like to be a professional wrestling ring announcer on the independent scene. This week, we relive my opportunity to announce one half of arguably one of the greatest tag teams of all time, the Rock and Roll Express, Ricky Morton, to the ring. Granted, I wasn't the biggest fan of the Rock and Roll Express, but you cannot deny and you cannot disrespect the type of superstar that Ricky Morton is and was in this industry. You have to respect what he has done and the ground that was laid not just in wrestling, but in tag team competition throughout professional wrestling history. Not the biggest guys inside the squared circle, but they had the charisma that garnered the attention. The girls loved Ricky and Robert. I didn't have too much interaction with Ricky Morton backstage. Um, He was doing some autograph signings, selling some merchandise, but he was telling some stories on the road, what it was like to be the Rock and Roll Express in the very popular and busy NWA days. Even though I didn't have much interaction with him, you can just tell. You had a feel. When he was in the locker room, you had a sense of history. A sense of experience. You you could just tell this guy has been through the ringer, has had experiences beyond anybody's belief. And the stories that he could tell, very nice guy, very polite. And it was an honor being able to announce him to the squared circle. So courtesy of ringannouncing.com on YouTube, let's go back to the audio clip of my opportunity, my honor to announce Ricky Morton to the ring. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing from Nashville, Tennessee, weighing at 220 pounds, the wrestling legend, one half of the Rock and Roll Express, Ricky Morton. Let's kick off the WCCW milestones of 1985 with the Von Erichs versus the Dynamic Duo in a hair versus hair match. On October 6th of 1985 at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas. And a good time has been had by all. Fritz, is watching, certainly very proud that his sons are not in that position. Kevin and Kerry winning. A souvenir there. And there's Gino Hernandez. And Gino has the time, and he now is leaving. Oh, there they are. Gino Hernandez and Chris Adams. They're not only banned in the bone, they're bone boys. Now, bone boys. In the ring, Carey and Kevin Von Erich, the winners of this match, the Barbers of World Class Championship Wrestling. And they've done a sterling job. There's Chris Adams, or Chris Von Erich, being lifted. And there goes Gino, back to the cutting room. And so the crowd is happy at the Cotton Bowl of the Texas. On October 6th, 1985, at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas, Texas, the dynamic duo of Gino Hernandez and Chris Adams 
took on Kevin and Kerry Von Erich in a highly anticipated match that boasted fast-paced action as well as incredible crowd heat. Prior to their bouts, the dynamic duo had recently made a habit of cutting the hair of various world-class babyfaces, such as Scott Casey, Brian Adius, and Iceman King Parsons. At the same time, they were taunting Kevin and Kerry on camera. When the duo defeated the Von Erichs in a wild match at 4th of July Star Wars in Fort Worth, it allowed Gino and Adams to select the special stipulations for their bout with Kevin and Kerry at the second Cotton Bowl Spectacular. Consummate showmen and professionals, the dynamic duo sold the humiliation of having their heads shaved exceptionally well, with Chris angrily yelling, I'll kill ya! at the babyfaces throughout his entire haircut. Attempting to escape, Gino tried to run away from the ringside area. He was thwarted when the youngest of the Von Erich clan, Chris, tackled Hernandez at ringside. When Chris got the chance to shave Gino's hair, Hernandez, who could actually be seen seemingly holding back laughter, yelled, No! I'll kill that little punk! The feud between the two teams would continue through the end of 1985, with the Von Erichs attempting to unmask the dynamic duo to reveal their bald heads. Again, this storyline translates to this very day. We've seen it so many times in professional wrestling. The hair versus hair storyline, and after it's done, the basically the heels typically, usually the ones to suffer the very fate of losing their hair, and then they cover it up, creating more want and bot as a result, creating more tickets to be sold so you could buy in to see the heels' bald heads. Quick example, of course, was Edge versus Kurt Angle. As Kurt Angle's hair started to recede, which was frustrating to me because he started to look less and less like me, or he started to lose our parallel similarities. As his hair started to dwindle, the Edge versus Kurt Angle match came across, and of course, we know Kurt Angle losing his hair, but... He didn't give you the payoff right away as he wore the wig with the with the official wrestling um, headgear, of course, on top of it. Very funny, great, created some great television. Again, making you want to see the payoff. CM Punk, when he had his head shaved, the mask that they start to wear covering his hair that was, that was shaved when he was battling Rey Mysterio. So many opportunities to have that mask ripped off. Granted, at the end, we think the payoff wasn't worth the while or the wait that took place for that specific angle with the big show ripping off the mask at just a regular SmackDown event. But another example of make you want to see the payoff. And again, WCCW setting the standard for storyline development and payoff success. Here's the victor as Tom Pritchard is still down. And I'd just like to say... To all the people, you know, you can try conspiracies of breaking up my partner in life, Tully Blanchard and me, and putting us in single matches. Well, it doesn't work, but because we're the two greatest individuals of all time, and I just showed everyone an example of what can be done on an individual basis as far as tag teams. We are the world champions, but whatever way it may be, tag matches or single matches, myself, gorgeous Gino Hernandez, the handsome half-breed, can take on Dick Slater, 
Scott Casey, that went back, Manny Fernandez, or last, but certainly not least, that stupid, ignorant, idiot, redneck, bruiser Brody, who goes around throwing all this crap out about how tough he is, whatever it may be, them as singles or as combinations against the kid, Tully Rutcher, and myself, we will be victorious because I am the greatest and Tully Branchard is the greatest and we will always prevail. Gorgeous Chino Hernandez, he calls himself. And speaking of the dynamic duo, we have to discuss the breakup of the group in 1985. Gentleman Chris Adams and handsome half-breed Gino Hernandez, I love that name, they become one of the industry's top tag teams during the 1980s. Collectively, they were known as a dynamic duo. And ultimately, the tandem was only stopped by internal factors. And you could directly attribute it to Hernandez specifically on Christmas night, 1985, at Reunion Arena. During their tag team title match, Hernandez allowed Adams to take a prolonged pounding from Kevin and Kerry Von Erich refusing to take a tag or even enter the ring to aid his compromised partner. Adams seemingly had no other alternative but to toss Kevin over the top rope for a disqualification. That would cause a DQ at the time, thus ending the contest. The disqualification allowed the dynamic duo to retain their titles, but that didn't stop the gentleman from angrily decking Gino, his tag team partner and fellow champion. Not long afterwards, Hernandez appeared on WCCW television in Fort Worth with Mark Lawrence and dismissed the incident. Gino declared that he and Chris were still the champs and still friends, but that he had to knock out Chris with one punch in the locker room to teach Chris a lesson for what he'd done. Upon hearing this, it did not take a furious Adams too long to enter the ring and call Hernandez out upon his acquisitions. An amused Mark Lawrence recapped for Adams what the backpedaling Hernandez had just stated, which infuriated Adams even more. With the crowd again behind him, Adams viciously attacked Gino, resulting in the dynamic duo split. A new feud was born, and a grudge match was signed for the January 27, 1986 Star Wars card in Fort Worth, Texas. Tragically, though, this match turned out to be Gino's last, as he passed away a very untimely death by the time it aired on KTVT a few days later. We'll discuss this more on the next chapter of WCCW Milestones. Now, if you look at the strength in the chest and arms of Kerry Von Erich, you can only imagine the intensity in that Von Erich hand. Kerry has said, okay, here we go. And the gang is yelling a lot. But he doesn't seem to be phased. Kerry putting it on, and Gary Hart smiles with laughter. Is the gang not going to go down? Is Gary Hart right? The gang standing firm, and Kerry giving it all he has. And Gary Hart thinks he's got it made. But now the gang reaches up and tries to pull it off. Okay. 
because you are maniac. As long as you stand there, I don't plan to touch you at all. But you're going to listen, and you better listen well. It seems a little time has gone by, Gary Hart, since you and I stood here face to face. It's happened one more time. It seems, Mr. Hart, that my boy Kerry did put you down, your boy the gang, to his knees. The terms were, if that happened, if my boy Kerry beat that so-called orangutan of yours, the gang, that you would guarantee him a fair match with a one-man gang at Texas Stadium May the 5th. Am I correct? You're correct, but what I really wanted was you. But you see, you conveniently retired. Mike Von Erich's struggle with toxic shock syndrome. The professional wrestling industry was shocked when Mike Von Erich nearly died in early September of 85 of toxic shock syndrome. TSS is an illness that is caused by bacteria. And the bacteria releases toxins into the bloodstream of the afflicted. And as a result, if it's left untreated, it can kill someone. In Mike Von Erich's case, the disease stemmed from an infection resulting from shoulder surgery. Shoulder problems had plagued Mike from the start of his very young career. And he recently suffered another injury while wrestling Gino Hernandez on the last day of the tour in Israel. As is often the case with TSS victims, Mike did not realize he was ill until the symptoms had become quite severe. Soon Mike was admitted to Baylor University's medical center in Dallas and placed in the intensive care unit. His weight and blood pressure had dropped dramatically, while a fever rose to 107 degrees at one point. Doctors told the Von Erich family that Mike would probably pass away. However, he miraculously pulled through and began to make a slow but steady recovery. Although his recovery was at first considered an amazing comeback story, Mike's tragedy sadly did not end here. I came here for one purpose tonight, to tell you that I can die of guarantee my son Kerry a fair match with one man game. Let's just remember one thing, partner. This big man jumped Kerry from behind in Dallas 
Try to hit him with a chain. All because of you. Now, Mr. Hoyt, come Texas Stadium. I'm going to be there. I don't care. I want you there. I just wish you hadn't retired. I wish it was you rather than Kerry what's going to take place right there in Texas State. I want you there. I want you to witness. I want you to see it. But what I really want is you. But you don't have the guts because you retired. I will not only be there, Mr. Hart. I will be sitting side by side with you. Me. Now that it seems that you said maybe I'll retire too quick. You know, I, I've been wrecking my brain all day. There's, there's some way to get you to put your foot in your mouth again. You just did, pal. You said you'd like me to come out of retirement. It's too bad you didn't have the gang a couple of years back when I was wrestling. You know it too, don't you? You know it. You know what he would do to you? Six foot nine, four hundred forty pounds. He'd lay you out like nothing. It's your soul that this is the strongest, the best man in professional wrestling. You know that. You know he's going to be Kerry beyond a shadow of a doubt, right or wrong. Absolutely correct for once in your life. All right. Then I have a brilliant idea. It seems, Mr. Hart, that you stated, and I heard you on that monitor back there, it just seems that you, sir, would love to get me in the ring with a gang. You said the most degrading thing that ever happened to you was when you got a haircut with shaved ball and what happened mustache to right. That's exactly right. And you know it was a dirty deal. You and your boys did All right. All right. If you're that sure, let's you and I make a little deal. You ain't going to interfere in the match, that's for sure, because I'll be right there by the side of you. So I'll get up and move. Oh? Now then... If the gang beats my boy, Kerry, in this fair match, I'll come prepared and I'll get in the ring well, with him. that's all I want, man. Anything for that. If I had a million, I would give that anything. All right, now comes Julia. On the other hand, if Kerry beats your one-man gang, which you think is impossible, I'll have the clippers there and we're going to do it to your hair one more time. Because this time, it ain't gonna be no Gary Hart getting ripped off. You have made me sick my whole life. Every time I got something, you think you can destroy nothing. I got a deal. You in the ring, one man gang, he gonna kill you. Terry Von Erich and the one man gang. That's an awesome show. The creation of Lance Von Erich with the recent death of ultra popular David Von Erich we discussed earlier, Mike Von Erich's near-fatal encounter with toxic shock syndrome, and the constant demand for public appearances by Kevin and Kerry. Family patriarch and world-class owner Fritz Von Erich felt the need to create a fictitious Von Erich to alleviate the pressure his sons were under, give them some breathing room as they demanded more Von Erichs. Lance Von Erich had been mentioned by Michael Hayes on television as early as April of 1984. There was a brief mention of Lance in the previous edition of the Milestone series. 
prior to the first Parade of Champions, Michael Hayes mentioned this Lance von Erich and now appeared to be the right time for the concept to come into fruition. Ricky Vaughn, who had assumed the role of Lance, had been working out of the view of Texas fans for Don Owens' Portland-based territory. This is where he held the Pacific Northwest Heavyweight Championship. Upon the arrival of Lance to World Class in October of 85, Fritz explained to the fans that Lance was his nephew, being the son of his fictitious brother Waldo, and had wrestled under another name in Portland until he felt it was ready, and he was ready, to live up to the pressures of wrestling under his quote-unquote real name. In the days before the internet, when Dirt Sheets newsletters such as the Wrestling News Observer and the Pro Wrestling Torch were still considered underground and kayfabe was closely kept, that circle of trust, fans accepted the story as the truth and took to Lance without hesitation. Therefore, Lance Von Erich was born. Hey kids, look at this. Just for you, hot off the presses, the official Von Erich Family Wrestling Championship game. Now you have a chance to prove you have what it takes to be a world-class champion. A few quick chops, headbutts, atomic drops, then you take your opponent down for the pin. But you can only win this game by playing TV Pal. And you gotta be a member of the Good Time Gang to play. So keep watching TV 39 for sign-up information in one, two, three, you win! The title scene was fairly stable in World Class during the spring of 1985. Gino Hernandez continued his long-standing run as Texas champion. Chris Adams continued to reign as the American champion. The six-man tag team titles were still held by Kevin, Kerry, and Mike Von Erich, but rarely was defended, let alone mentioned during this time. Rip Oliver held the TV title until being suspended for breaking Mike Von Erich's hand. Scott Casey then claimed the TV title in Fort Worth on April 1st. This was after beating Dennis Condry in a tournament final. The main action centered on the American tag team titles. The Minot Express had reigned since January and battled over the belts mainly with the Fantastics. A March 8th edition at the Sportatorium in Dallas saw the title held up due to Jim Cornette interfering with his tennis racket. A rematch to settle the issue was ordered for the Parade of Champions at Texas Stadium in May. WCCW had a deep roster in 1985. As ever, the top babyfaces were the Von Erichs, Kevin, Kerry, and Mike, although Mike was often absent due to injury and the issues we mentioned earlier. Sunshine was still very popular in her babyface manager role. Her main protege remained Hercules Hernandez. Sunshine then added a new charge, a new man to manage in the form of the great Kabuki. Kabuki had not competed full-time in World Class since early 1983, although he made a brief run in mid-1984. Kabuki had always been a heel. Seeing him as a babyface for the first time and managed by Sunshine was a nice surprise for the fans. The Fantastics remained very popular on the tag team scene. The great Kabuki, in my view, unfortunately, was maybe a guy that kind of came and set the table up and put the tablecloth on it and got the silverware and the, the dishes on the table. And then when dinner came, he wasn't there. And what I mean by that is the great Kabuki never really had a lot to do with world-class championship wrestling bursting on the scene. But he was the only guy that kept it going prior to that. As far as a person and a competitor and an athlete, great guy, great skills, Gary Hart, perfect manager for him. Gary knew exactly what he was doing. Unfortunately, he wasn't the guy 
that made dinner good. Other baby faces included Brian Adius, who returned after an extended run in the Mid-Atlantic Territory, Scott Casey, who enjoyed tremendous popularity with Southwest Championship Wrestling in San Antonio, and Skip Young, whose career had fallen off considerably from his days in Florida as the mass sweet brown sugar. Johnny Mantell was also on hand as a babyface, although he could occasionally play a subtle heel role in the undercard. Without a shadow of a doubt, the top heels were Chris Adams and Gino Hernandez, who, of course, were such a great combination as the dynamic duo. Gary Hart continued to guide the one-man gang. Jim Cornette was the area's other heel manager, leading the Midnight Express, consisting of Dennis Condry and Bobby Eaton, as well as Rip Oliver. Kelly Kaniski continued to wrestle as a low mid-card to undercard heel. Steve Williams made some appearances in Fort Worth, but never came in on a permanent basis. As you can see, the heel roster was a bit light. However, all the main heels had tremendous heat, and reinforcements were due in after the Parade of Champions. The feuds were right hot in 1985. As was its usual policy, world-class championship wrestling kept the number of feuds small, but then put as much push behind those specific feuds as possible. They emphasized the hot feuds. Kerry and Kevin found themselves wrestling quite often against Chris Adams and Gino. This was a continuation of Kevin's long-running feud with Chris Adams that showed no signs of subsiding, even in 1985. Meanwhile, Kerry battled the one-man gang in a version of the Unstoppable Force versus the Immovable Object matchup. Gino Hernandez continued to feud with Hercules Hernandez and now had backup from Adams, leading to Sunshine bringing in Kabuki to back Hercules. Michael Hayes of URC get right here. The famous Fritz von Erich Hardcore is now on Roberts too. Can you believe it? One of the most famous names in the history of wrestling is Fritz von Erich of Denton, Texas, whose heyday was over 20 years ago. He's retired now and usually confines himself to managing his three sons, Kerry, Kevin, and Mike, although that's not always easy. I want him hurt today, Moon. Even handcuffed, a well-placed hand from Fritz can still trip up the one-man gang and turn the tide for Sun Carey. Fritz also rarely misses out on the fun of collecting the spoils of victory. In this case, the hair from the head of Gary Hart, the one-man gang's manager. Whether it's Fritz, Kerry, Kevin, or Mike, the Von Erics are obviously deep in the heart of the wrestling fans of Texas. Why not? Look at the guys. They're gorgeous. <laughs> I mean, why not? You know, they're gorgeous. It's just a good time. It's entertaining. We just have a great time. We're family. All of us. Uh, I'm, I'm the big brother to the little girls. I'm the big brother to the boys. I'm the... I'm a son to the, to, the, to the people because they've watched me grow up. They've seen me ever since I was a baby. We saw the second annual David Von Erich Memorial Parade of Champions on Sunday, May 5th of 1985 at Texas Stadium in Irving, Texas. For world class, the coming of spring meant the annual Parade of Champions Outdoors event at Texas Stadium, honoring the late David Von Erich. Close to 30,000 fans turned out to see the promotion's major feuds climax, to see some major out-of-town stars, such as Ric Flair, The Freebirds, Devastation Inc., and to see a heavily hyped 12-man tag team event. 
Johnny Mantel wrestled Skip Young to a time limit draw. Scott Casey and Brian Adius defeated Kelly and Nick Kaniski. Terry Gordy defeated Kamala by disqualification. Gordy and Kamala were not world-class regulars at the time. The Freebirds were moving from Florida to the AWA. Kamala and General Skandar Akbar's Devastation, Inc. were based in Mid-South. However, with such a big card and both behemoths in for the show, it made sense to make a match. Gordy had the overwhelming support of the fans on the basis of Devastation's anti-American views and the Freebirds' peace with Devon Eriks. Mike Van Erich defeated Rip Oliver. Chris Adams and Gino Hernandez defeated the Great Kabuki and Scott Casey. Kerry Von Erich defeated the One Man Gang. Ric Flair wrestled Kevin Von Erich in a double countout. Flair retained the NWA world title. At its best, pro wrestling is a larger-than-life struggle between the good guys and the bad guys, where the bad guys usually get what's coming to them. Things don't always work out for the good guys, though. Two weeks ago, Kevin Von Erich seemed destined to win the World Heavyweight Championship from Ric Flair. But Flair prevented him from getting back into the ring by the count of 20. As a result, both fighters were disqualified. An unpopular decision with the fans and a painful decision for the referee. Throwing the referee out of the ring was out of character for Kevin Von Erich, who sees his sport as an honorable one. And the people who say that it's all fake, what do you say to them? Well, right now I'd say, how bad do you want to know, pal? Try me out. That's what I said. But hey, I saw this thing on uh, 2020 where some big guy slapped a little guy. That stuff's disgusting. It just helps to further this stereotype of big wrestlers that are big bullies, like to pick on a little... I'd never hit anyone smaller than me or, or uh, anything like that, especially a guy with a bad leg. <laughs> Saved by a recent motorcycle wreck. Coming up tomorrow night, the yuppie the fans love to hate. Look out, look out! And the queen of the wrestling world. Kevin McCarthy, Channel 4 Sports. Ric Flair wrestled Kevin Von Erich to a double countout as Flair retained the NWA world title in one of World Class's greatest moments. One year earlier, at the first Parade of Champions, Kerry Von Erich had pinned Ric Flair to win the NWA world title. Flair regained the title soon afterwards, but nothing could erase Kerry's triumph. Now, it was Kevin's turn to face Flair for the NWA world title. Could lightning strike twice? Flair and Kevin had wrestled each other enough times that everyone knew what to expect. Kevin would utilize his mix of high-flying skills, mat wrestling, and brawling to keep Flair off balance. Flair would use his incredible scientific wrestling knowledge and naturally every dirty trick in the book, the dirtiest player in the game, in order to gain the advantage. For a while, the bout flowed with each man trading the advantage and getting more and more frustrated. Inevitably, this match became a brawl. The wrestling bout became a fight. Kevin and Flair wound up focusing so much on one another that they ignored the referee and they were both counted out. Nevertheless, the fight continued back in the ring where Kevin locked on the Iron Claw. Flair bled, as he normally does, the Crimson Mask as he arrived in pain from the powerful hold. Kevin locked onto Flair's skull with such intensity and, and anger that even Fritz could barely pull him off. Whatever the result, Kevin had proven himself the better man on that day. But while he won the battle, Flair won the war as he retained the NWA World Championship. 
the Fantastics defeated the Midnight Express to win the held-up American Tag Team Championship. Kevin Carey and Mike Van Erich and the Fabulous Freebirds defeated Chris Adams, Gino Hernandez, Steve Williams, Kamala, One Man Gang, Rip Oliver in, a, in three falls to two in a 12-man match held in two rings. Ric Flair was supposed to have wrestled as a member of the heel team, but withdrew due to injuries suffered earlier on the card at the hand of Kevin, of course. Rip Oliver took Flair's place, whether Rip Oliver was supposed to have wrestled in this match all along, with Flair's appearance being a case of bait and switch, or whether Flair begged off for one reason or another, is a point for debate to this very day. With action simultaneously taking place in both rings, this match promised action unlike anything that had ever seen before. To be truthful, it was probably better in theory than in practice. One of the attractions was seeing the Von Erichs interacting with their longtime enemies, the Freebirds, as well as to see the dynamic duo try to get along with Devastation Inc., and de- especially with Gary Hart's one-man gang. Of course, the Von Erichs and the Birds largely wrestled in separate rings and really didn't mix. The dynamic duo jawed with Hart and OMG before the match, but then mostly stayed in the Von Erich ring while the one-man gang stayed in the Freebird ring. Nevertheless, there was some decent action. The heels raced off to a two-falls-to-none start with Gino, who scored both pins. However, the babyfaces fought back with Kevin, Kerry, and Mike scoring a spectacular triple dropkick on Rip Oliver. In the end, Kevin Von Erich pinned Steve Williams to end the match, and then the real action started. Sponsor Guy Laney Lincoln promised a new 1985 Lincoln Continental the winner of the match ending fall. By virtue of pinning Dr. Death, Kevin Von Erich won the car. Gary Hart, furious over losing his hair and now not winning the car, took the house microphone and ordered one man gang to take his chain and destroy the car. Complying with his manager's demands, the gang started moving towards the vehicle and was parked which was parked in one of those end zones of Texas Stadium. Before he could do any damage, Kerry, Kevin, and Mike attacked him and ran him off, basically, after a brief but intense brawl. It seemed that the day had been saved. Referee David Manning picked up the fallen chain and began casually walking towards the dressing room when suddenly all hell broke loose. Chris Adams and Gino Hernandez snuck up behind Manning and snatched the chain. Before anyone could attempt to stop them, the dynamic duo was at the car, smashing the windshield and hood with the chain and adding a few kicks for measure. The Von Erichs, who had been close to the dressing room when Chris and Gino struck, raced back to stop them. However, it was too late and the dynamic duo ran triumphantly to the dressing room, dodging boos and throwing debris along the way. The fans were nuts. This was probably the biggest angle World Class would run all year long, and surely it was the biggest angle since Chris Adams' heel turn back in September of 1984. This incident would have had huge ramifications for the remainder of the year. Another milestone, not necessarily for WCCW, but for professional wrestling as a whole, we saw in 1985 the debut of a young man, a young superstar, a young up-and-comer known as Shawn Michaels. One fall, 15-minute time limit. Hailing first from Georgia, 240 pounds. Welcome to the ring, Shawn Nichols. Across the ring, his opponent from Portland, 
the sensational Billy Haynes. Assisting him in the ring is the lovely and effervescent Sunshine. Billy Haynes has turned off his engine. That devastating, that tremendous vice of the full Nelson. And don't make Billy Haynes look bad. That's Shawn Michael on the mat. Here's Mark Lawrence with the time. One minute and 20 seconds. Billy Haynes wins with the full Nelson submission. A full Nelson that puts away Shawn Michael. There's the winner and his friend. The Saga of the Green Jacket. One of the promotion's primary feuds of the summer of 1985 pitted Sunshine against Jim Cornette. The idea was to run a woman's lib angle to get over Sunshine. She would be presented as a strong, intelligent, and capable woman who could not only hold her own, but also excel in the male-dominated world of professional wrestling. Meanwhile, Jim Cornette, who was portrayed as a wimpy mama's boy and the opposite of Macho, played Sunshine's enemy. He would oppose her while spouting off every condescending sexist male chauvinistic cliché about the inferiority of women in general and Sunshine in particular. Jim Cornette's gift of gab made him especially effective as a heel. In theory, the angle sounded pretty good. In execution, it did not work as well. This was due to a green jacket. While attempting to escape a beating from Scott Casey and Sunshine, Jim Cornette barely escaped with his life. However, he didn't escape with his sports coat. This green jacket, which Cornette claimed was a gift from his mama for winning the mixed doubles tennis tournament at the country club, became the centerpiece of the feud. Yes, a green jacket. For weeks, Cornette, the Midnight Express, and Rip Oliver attempted to reclaim this garment without success. It is too bad that the focus could not have been on the title. For instance, Casey and Oliver could have battled for the Texas title, or Casey and Kabuki could have feuded with the Midnight Express for the American tag titles. The appalling, ugly, these, this appallingly ugly green jacket just seemed like nothing. It's like nothing. Even if the feud was really about the principle of Sunshine outsmarting Jim Cornette again and again, or the female male versus female, the chauvinistic male showing up, being shown up by the dominating female. But again, this this jacket was the primary focus of the feud. It's kind of like something we'd see today in wrestling. And we'll wrap up 1985 with Christmas Wrestling Star Wars on December 25th at the Reunion Arena in Dallas, Texas. The holiday signaled another return to Reunion Arena for World Class Championship Wrestling. This card featured several returning stars plus some big names from New Japan Pro Wrestling. In the past, World Class had associated itself with All Japan. The change in affiliation stemmed from Bruiser Brody. Brody had recently changed his own Japanese wrestling affiliation and used his contacts and influence to arrange for New Japan's competitors to appear at the show. Nevertheless, World Class and the New Japan connection would not last beyond this event. Rather alarmingly for World Class, this event drew only a crowd of approximately 8,300 fans. Reunion Arena held more than twice that amount for wrestling and had been filled by World Class for numerous events over the past few years. The comparatively small attendance sadly served as a determination of the hard times to come for the promotion. Around this time, attendance for the weekly shows at the Sportatorium in Dallas and Will Rogers Coliseum in Fort Worth began to slide. Increased competition in the wrestling business, troubles in the Texas economy, overfamiliarity with some of the wrestlers, and the lack of a new and truly compelling feud on top of the promotion were among the reasons for the decline. Still, the promotion was 
in solid enough shape to have optimism heading into 1986. Perhaps too much optimism as events unfolded. We'll get into that in future editions of The Milestones. So heading out of 1985 and into 1986, world-class championship wrestling had several major feuds set heading into the new year. The Von Erichs vs. the Freebirds, Sunshine and the Link vs. Hyatt and Tatum, Chris vs. Gino. Business had admittedly taken a bit of a slide, but the promotion continued to be healthy overall and had every hope of recovering lost ground. We'll discuss this more in the next edition of 1986 of the WCCW Milestones. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Wrestling fans, it's time to thank our sponsors of the Beyond the Bell podcast. Barbershop Window, the brand new official sponsor of Beyond the Bell. They love wrestling and they love t-shirts, so they combine the two in order to fulfill their goal to create shirts that wrestling fans enjoy and will want to own and wouldn't be embarrassed to wear to a bar. New shirts are released every week, and all past shirts can be found in the overstock bin. So go to barbershopwindow.com, where they make wearing wrestling shirts cool again. Squared Circle Media. Jerome Willen provides audio and written content based on the latest in professional wrestling. Associated with Wrestling.com, Ringside Digest, and the Camel Clutch blog, Squared Circle Media is for the true wrestling fan. You can reach them at SquaredCircleMedia.net. Ringannouncing.com, the official website for the future of ring announcing and beyond the bell host, ring announcer, Sean Beckerman. This is the place where you'll find all the latest news and multimedia related to host broadcaster and podcaster Sean Beckerman. So go to ringannouncing.com now and follow the future of ring announcing. Stitcher Radio is an on-demand internet radio service that focuses on news and information radio and podcasts. It's available on all smartphones via the iTunes App Store and the Android Market. Stitcher, now streaming innovative audio. GoDaddy.com GoDaddy offers everything you need to make a name for yourself on the web. From domain names and website builders to complete e-commerce solutions. With more than 10.4 million customers and over 53 million domain names, GoDaddy is the leader in web development. SNSRadioNetwork.com is the home for all things related to professional wrestling, mixed martial arts, and video gaming. Catch the latest news on all three topics, including the Benchmark Show, Wrestling News Live, Sunday Night Showdown, The Pro Wrestling Rewind, The Elite Force Podcast, Why, and of course, Beyond the Bell with host Sean Beckerman. SNSRadioNetwork.com. If you're not listening, you're not trying. If you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Beyond the Bell, email us at btbwrestling at gmail.com with the header advertising. Join the Beyond the Bell revolution. It's go time. Wrestling fans, that closes up another chapter of the WCCW Milestone Series. 1985 is in the books, and we move ahead to 1986, so stay tuned for that in the coming weeks. Beyond the Bell fans, we have tons more content to be debuting over the next several weeks. 
the WCW 101 series continues as we look back at the history of World Championship Wrestling. Gimmick Gala! This series features the greatest and worst gimmicks in professional wrestling. Three packaged wrestlers that made certain gimmicks so memorable and some forgettable. Gimmick Gala on Beyond the Bell. The Horseman Files continues celebrating their induction into the 2012 WWE Hall of Fame. We look back in chronological order of the history of the Four Horsemen. Previously known as Epic Encounters, newly named Famous Feuds, this series looks back at the greatest feuds in professional wrestling. We look back at WCCW Milestones, the monumental moments of world-class championship wrestling, the Stone Cold Chronicles. We look back and recap the history of the legendary career of Stone Cold Steve Austin. We take a trip back in time to look back at the greatest managers in professional wrestling. And during Thanksgiving time, we're going to rewind and relive the greatest families in sports entertainment. And in between all these unique and retro-themed shows, we'll have our superstar spotlight as we look back at the legendary careers of certain legends and Hall of Famers in professional wrestling. All this and more on the upcoming weeks here on Beyond the Bell. Connect socially to Be On The Bell on our Facebook fan page. Follow me on Twitter at Sean Beckerman. Watch and listen to retro wrestling clips and ring announcing footage of me on the independent circuit on YouTube under the username Ring Announcing. Access the Be On The Bell archives on SNSRadioNetwork.com and my official website RingAnnouncing.com. Have all the latest episodes of Beyond the Bell automatically downloaded on your smartphone via iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. It's time to go for the three count and wrap it all up with some old school music. This week, I have some assistance providing you the old school theme. Of course, since we're talking about world class, it will be my honor to kick it over to Bill Mercer as he will present you this week's Old School Theme of the Week. This is Sean Beckerman signing off for another edition of Beyond the Bell. I'll see you next week as we rewind and relive all things nostalgia in the world of professional wrestling. Take it away, Bill! And as a final tribute to the late Gino Hernandez and to the departed Chris Adams, the music that they used that made them famous. Those two, bad to the ball. Bad. 
Announcer Sean Beckerman here. Want to go back in time and relive the greatest and worst in the world of sports entertainment? From all-time favorite matches to the worst gimmicks in pro wrestling, we cover it all. So join us each and every week on the SNS Radio Network as we go beyond the bell. What? 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 